Welcome to Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren. I wanted to <clears throat> give everyone a quick summary of, of where we are in the Brett Kavanaugh sexual assault allegation saga. Uh, because, <clears throat> you know, I was preparing for the, the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings in a few hours from now, uh, Thursday the 27th. So a few hours from now, uh, we'll hear from Dr. Christine Ford and and Brett Kavanaugh, and as I was kind of prepping for that, I realized there's been a lot of activity in the last 48 hours, and it might be helpful for some of you who haven't had time to pay attention to all of the news to just kind of get a Cliff Notes version of of where we are as we head into Thursday. So hopefully this will be brief, and I hope you find it helpful. So, so far there have been four accusers. Uh, Dr. Ford is the first one, and... Quick recap on Ford. In July, she sent a letter to Senator Dianne Feinstein alleging that Brett Kavanaugh pinned her down and groped her while he was drunk um, at a party somewhere, sometime, probably in 1982, at a house. She's not sure whose house it was. Um, Now, Feinstein sat on this letter. She didn't give it to the authorities. She um, didn't say she had any kind of anonymous accuser early on when Kavanaugh was nominated. She waited. She waited until the hearings were were basically over. It looked like Kavanaugh was going to be confirmed. There was going to be a vote. Uh, And then she suddenly went public with a letter and said she was going to give it to the FBI. Now, of course, Kavanaugh has denied these allegations. The FBI indicated they weren't going to investigate here. And, uh, you know, it looked kind of like this vague anonymous accusation that was conveniently brought forth in the 11th hour, and it wasn't going to be enough to stop the confirmation. But then Dr. Ford came forward as the author of the letter, and she named Mark Judge as a witness. Mark Judge, a friend from high school of Brett Kavanaugh. Now, Mark Judge then denied that this ever happened. She also claimed to have... uh, talked about the event to her marriage counselor and her personal therapist back in 2012, again, still 30 years after the event. Um, But there's no evidence that she ever mentioned Kavanaugh by name. Her husband claims she did, but there's no evidence that she actually did. And she had some conflicting stories with respect to the number of people at the party in the therapist notes versus her her statement later. So by this time, the Kavanaugh confirmation vote had been uh, postponed so that the Senate could question uh, Dr. Ford. And about a week went by of, you know, Dr. Ford and her lawyer lawyer complaining about the circumstances of the hearing, who would question her, when it would be, where it was. She said she was afraid to fly, so she couldn't come out. Lots of unnecessary delay going on here for someone who who took the accusation seriously. There's a lot of back and forth. But after about a week, um, we arrived at a few a few things. First of all, she obviously will testify in a few hours. Um, but I think we all kind of agree at this point the following things. Kavanaugh probably did drink some in high school, at least some. How much? We don't know. Big whoop. Dr. Ford has still been unable to provide any corroborating evidence of any kind. There have been no corroborating witnesses. She actually called out someone named PJ, who she thought could uh, corroborate in addition to Mark Judge. Both of them have denied uh, the allegations and said that the incident never happened. Now, her lawyer claims she passed a lie detector test. That's not true. Lie detector tests don't exist. She took a polygraph test and someone evaluated it uh, and concluded that she was not lying, 
although uh, polygraphs are not certain and uh, certainly not, they're not even admissible typically. Now, she eventually revealed the polygraph after, after pressed, um, but she didn't reveal all the data. We, we, we learned that she was asked two questions and they basically were, did you lie? She said, no. Did you make anything up? No. Um, we didn't see any of the question sequence for data collection. We didn't see any of the charts. But, you know, at the end, who really who really cares? It's a polygraph, and they're not all that reliable anyway. <clears throat> but that's, that's where we are. In addition, BuzzFeed reported on the 24th that the Senate Judiciary Committee um, staff interviewed a man who believes that he, not Judge Kavanaugh, had the encounter with Dr. Ford in 1982, and that he is the basis uh, of the complaint, his actions. Um, and so the committee staff interviewed that man the next day on the 25th. And he, he, according to the staff, he quote, he described his recollection of their in interaction in some detail. Uh, and then on September 26th, which was, uh, Wednesday, the committee received a more in-depth written statement from the man that they had previously interviewed. Um, in addition, the committee also spoke with another man who believes that he, not Judge Kavanaugh, had the encounter with Dr. Ford in 1982. That's the basis of the allegation. And he also explained his recollection of the details of the encounter. So so that's where we are. After this Ford accusation, um, she's set to testify, but wasn't looking great for the Democrats here after, after Ford. It wasn't everything they were hoping it would be. There's basically no way to corroborate anything. Um, but we did set up, you know, they did set up a narrative, Right. And, you know, I just want to point something out here. This is why investors, you know, investigators typically don't like to have the details of allegations like this go public until after an investigation is complete. Because once the allegations are public, you have no way of telling whether new allegations are corroborating the old ones or if those new allegations were tainted by a narrative that's already in circulation. So in other words, you know, if, if stories are independent and they come in independently and they corroborate one another that gives them a lot more weight than if the stories are kind of coordinated if, if the if the the alleged victims spoke to one another or whatever and then once the story is public you know anyone can fabricate allegations after that that corroborate the narrative so um once ford's story got out we were in this environment where you know any claim now that kind of preys upon this Kavanaugh as a drunken sod who preys upon women at parties, that narrative is already out there. And so um, anyone can come along now and claim that, and it looks it may look corroborating if you don't recognize that it's not being developed independently, right? By definition, it's not being developed or at least not being revealed independently because it's already out in public. The, the narrative is already out there. So anyway... The Ford accusations didn't look like they were working super well for the Democrats. Um, and so lo and behold, what happens? Well, another one comes along, Deborah, Deborah Ramirez. She comes forward to the New Yorker, and she claims that, this is this is uh, alleged victim number two, she claims that um, for 35 years she wasn't sure of the story, but she took six days with her lawyer to think about it, and what do you know, now she can confirm that while she was at a party at Yale and drinking herself, it was definitely Kavanaugh who exposed himself to her and, and made her touch his penis. So, uh, yeah, I guess I guess lawyers are really, really good at past memory regression. Um, I don't know, does that count as a past memory? 
whatever. Lawyers are good at helping you figure out that it was definitely Brett Kavanaugh. Now, the New Yorker went on to interview multiple people who Ramirez said were at this party, and none of them could recall any kind of incident like this. Uh, all The only kind of, quote, corroboration she has is one anonymous student who wasn't at the party said he'd heard about it. So that's that's what you got there. So number two was kind of a dud. So here we are. Uh, I'm, I'm recording this the night before the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings are going to begin, where Ford's going to testify. And so far, not a lot's not a lot's happened here, right? We've got we've got Ford's kind of non-corroborated accusations. We've got Ramirez's kind of uh, totally uncorroborated, unsubstantiated, and unsubstantiatable accusations. Just a ridiculous, if that's a word, uh, accusations. And so we need someone to come to the rescue here. And lo and behold, uh, Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels' lawyer, you'll remember him, um, <clears throat> he announced that a woman had approached him with some much, you know, much more salacious allegations about Kavanaugh. So a little while later, this woman identified, uh, she was identified as Julie Swetnick, his client, and she was two years older than Kavanaugh. And she'd already graduated, but she claims that after she graduated high school, she attended a number of high school parties at which Kavanaugh was present, which is an odd thing to do after you've graduated, but okay. Um, and she released a, a declaration, a sworn declaration, uh, alleging the following things. First, she claims that Brett Kavanaugh and Mark Judge knew each other very well. Okay, fine. Second, she said she'd attended well over 10 house parties and witnessed Kavanaugh and Judge drink excessively and engage in inappropriate behavior, including groping and fondling. She also asserted that Kavanaugh was an aggressive, mean drunk. She said that other unnamed women told her they witnessed similar kind of behavior from, Kad, from Kavanaugh and Judge uh, in at parties in Ocean City, Maryland, and she says she actually witnessed this conduct in Ocean City during Beach Week. Now, incidentally, this is kind of interesting that she mentions Beach Week because earlier, prior to this statement, Brett Kavanaugh released his calendar from high school. Why on earth the man has his calendar from high school? I have no idea. But he released his calendar from high school, and there in the scribbles, he's got Beach Week written somewhere. So she may have already seen that calendar before she prepared this statement because the calendar was out there. So lo and behold, Beach Week shows up in her statement. Doesn't mean she's lying, but uh, odd. So then uh, she claims that Mark Judge and Brett Kavanaugh were spiking the punch at house parties with drugs or alcohol to cause girls to lose their inhibitions. And they were targeting particular girls then that they had uh, helped get inebriated. She says that she witnessed efforts by Kavanaugh and Judge and others to cause girls to become inebriated so that they could be gang raped by a train of boys. That's her language. Now, she remembers seeing boys lined up outside of rooms waiting for their turn on these girls. And these boys included Brett Kavanaugh, is what she says. Now, look, to me, this sounds like a porn fantasy. Drunken teenage boys don't line up outside of rooms where they're going to go gang rape someone. 
Uh, well, I don't know. I've never, I've never been in a situation like that. But I've seen drunken teenage boys. They don't line up for anything. So it it seems an awful lot like she's been watching some really bad porn and has decided to to write it down. But you know, really bad porn. Maybe maybe there's some inspirations for it, and it comes from somewhere. I don't know. She also says uh, in approximately 1982, she's not sure of the year here because she says approximately 1982, um, she was gang raped by a train of boys. And she says that Kavanaugh and Judge were present. She doesn't specifically say they raped her, but she says they were present. Um, And she thinks that she was drugged. Or it could have been drunk, but she thinks that she was drugged. Uh, And lastly, she, she says that she knows other witnesses who can attest to the truth of this. She doesn't say what their names are or anything. We haven't heard from any of them. But she says she knows people who can attest to the truth of this. Now, this, I mean, you gotta hand it to Michael Avenatti. This is a this is a whopper. This is a really wild story, right? Let's just pause for a moment and notice something about it, assuming it's true. So She's an adult at this point, right? Because she's graduated high school. She's a couple years older. So she's, what, 19, probably, maybe 20. She knew, by her own admission, she knew that boys were drugging and gang-raping girls, high school girls, at parties. And what did she do? Did she go to the police? Now, she wasn't, she says this stuff happened between, like, 80 and 82, and and she claims her gang rape happened in 82, which means she spent a year going to these parties before she was raped, so she didn't have trauma she had to deal with, right? She was just watching this happen to other girls. What did she do? Did she go to the police like she should have? No. She did absolutely nothing. She let it happen. This woman, even if she is a victim, she's not a hero, because if this really happened, she could have stopped the gang rape of plenty of women, according to her. All these girls could have been stopped. The, the gang rape of these girls could have been stopped. But she just didn't say anything. In fact, not only did she not say anything and let it happen, she kept going to the parties and drinking. So you have to ask yourself, if this is true... What the hell was she thinking? Why would she go to, in her words, more than 10 parties, see this pattern of behavior, see this illegal, despicable activity, see that girls are getting drugged and gang raped, and then continue to go to the parties and drink herself until one day she gets raped? It's asinine, ridiculous idiotic behavior. It just makes absolutely no sense. I almost hope that this is fabricated for her sake because, I I mean, she would be better off being a liar than being the kind of person that lets this go on for a year and doesn't report it. Anyway, (laughs) a couple other things that came out. It turns out that Swetnick's previous lawyer, she was involved in a um, sexual harassment suit years ago, and it turns out that her previous lawyer's uh, lawyer was uh, Deborah Katz, who incidentally is Dr. Ford's lawyer now. 
isn't that a coincidence? What do you know? It's not, well, you know, it's not like there's many lawyers in the world. So I'm sure it's just a total coincidence. Um, so, but she's not going to be testifying tomorrow or, you know, today, depending on when you're listening to this. She's not going to be testifying on Thursday. But she said she is willing to meet with the FBI and to testify. So this is a, this is quite a story. And um, I think I've seen this on Pornhub. Okay, and then finally, we're not done. There's one more accuser. So that was accuser number three. Accuser number four came out also the night before. I mean, just a few, maybe an hour or two ago. And Senator, so the story here is Senator Cory Gardner, who is a Republican, he received an anonymous letter claiming that in 1998... Now, this is, so 1998, this is much later. All these other stories are back in the early 80s, 82, roughly. All right. In 1998, Kavanaugh was drunk and physically assaulted a woman by pressing her against the wall in an aggressive sexual manner. It's a pretty weak accusation because it's completely anonymous. There's no, it's just, it's just an anonymous claim about him being drunk and pushing a woman against a wall. So, um, of all the claims, that one's a pretty weak one. So those are the four allegations as of right now. I mean, who knows if things go well for Kavanaugh tomorrow, maybe we will miraculously find out that he was a pedophile as well. But um, so this is where we are heading into the, the scheduled hearing. Kavanaugh and Ford are set to testify. You know, just uh, my take on this, what makes these accusations suspicious is a quick rundown. First of all, Kavanaugh has had six FBI background checks already in his career. Squeaky clean. Second, all of these, other than the, the most recent completely, completely anonymous accusation, but the other three major accusations, they're 35 years old, 36 years old. And they all came out at the very last minute at a suspiciously convenient time for the Democrats. They didn't come out earlier. They didn't come out back in July when we could have said, oh, whoa, let's switch our nominee right now, right? Well before November elections, right? You know the Democrats are hoping to push this whole thing past the November elections. That's their goal, right? So the suspicious timing of this makes these accusations suspicious. Um, There's also no exact times or locations in these, which means... uh, if you don't have an exact time or location, it means that uh, no one can can demonstrate their innocence. Kavanaugh can never say, I can prove I wasn't there on that day because I was at this other place and here's my evidence. <coughs> so no exact times or locations make it very difficult to demonstrate innocence. There's also no corroborating facts here at all. Everything is hearsay. Everything is just hearsay. And... Like I said earlier, these accusations actually aren't independent because Ford's story and the narrative of Kavanaugh in his high school years came out publicly and was talked about a lot before any of these stories came out. Now, in fairness, what would make these accusations credible? What could happen that would make these accusations credible. Obviously, if they'd been brought up earlier and independently, that would make them credible. If corroborating facts came out, maybe tomorrow, if some corroborating facts were brought to bear, 
that could make them credible. If there are corroborating witnesses, now so far all the witnesses that we've been pointed to haven't really corroborated anything and they've denied. Um, and if there's some specificity, right? If there was some specificity that came out and said, oh, is that Jane Doe's house or whatever it is uh, on this date, then Kavanaugh could potentially demonstrate that he wasn't there. So, so today in a few hours, we're going to, the Senate Judiciary Committee's going to hear from both Ford and Kavanaugh, but I think unless one of them admits to something or she brings corroborating evidence that we haven't seen, I don't think we're going to learn very much from these hearings other than that the Democrats are really good at delay. And I'm, look, I'm not a Republican. I've got plenty of uh, shit talking to say about Republicans as well, but the Democrats have been masterful in their delay and and ridiculous in this entire proceeding. And I think it's going to hurt them in the long run. And ultimately, it's going to hurt the Me Too movement because they're starting to look uh, absolutely absurd. So I hope this helped you get up to speed for the hearings on Thursday. Enjoy the circus. As always, thanks for listening and or watching Unsafe Space. You can... Go to unsafeshow.com to support the show, either with cryptocurrency or through Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash unsafespace or unsafeshow.com. <coughs> you can subscribe to the show at unsafeshow.com. Obviously on Twitter, we're uh, unsafeshow on Twitter. So follow us, subscribe on YouTube, like us, follow us, support the show. Appreciate it. Hopefully my voice will be better uh, for the next show. Sorry about the coughing. Thanks again.